is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. much for stopping by the channel this afternoon this is your friday night smackdown post show for september 15th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on your saturday afternoons wherever you may be i put a poll in the live stream chat here on YouTube during this stream, and I simply asked, Rock or Cody? Yes for Rock, no for Cody. Right now, with 513 votes as of seven minutes since the poll has been up, 59% are for The Rock, and 41% are for Cody Rhodes. Now, I know a lot of people are wondering why Dwayne Johnson showed up on SmackDown last night. Uh, I got tipped off. I'm not allowed to say anything when I get these particular texts. But my guy, Andrew Baydala, texted me two hours before the hog show last night. Around 6 o'clock, I'm stuck in Queens traffic because New York City traffic is fucking horrendous. Took me fucking 45 minutes to get to the venue. I get a text. He's like, rock on SmackDown tonight. And then he leaves me one of those shush emojis. And I'm like, what? Why? Now, I know rock was on Pat McAfee's podcast earlier in the day talking college football. So he says, you heard me. Wasn't supposed to say anything. Obviously, not going to betray his trust. I'm not going to say anything. But I ask myself internally, why now? Why rock on SmackDown? Is it because it's an easy in? Because he's in town. He's doing Pat McAfee. He's talking college football. Yeah, that's the easy way to go about it. Obviously, a fucking half-witted idiot could come up with that reason. Oh, well, he was in Denver already. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great, man. You should have your own fucking show, man. You're fucking breaking boundaries with that take. No, it's not because he was in Denver. No, it's not because he was on Pat McAfee's podcast. No, it wasn't because he was in town already. What I found funny is The Rock and his comments on the Pat McAfee show. And I think Drew is watching me right now. Let me see what Drew says. Hold on. Let me see this. All right. Listen, man. Let's save it for Tuesday. Save it for Tuesday. Rock on Pat McAfee's podcast. He's open to a WWE WrestleMania 40 match with Roman Reigns. He says it was a lock-in. It was locked in for Los Angeles at WrestleMania 39. Why was it locked in and it didn't happen? See, this is what I find very bizarre. If the match was locked in, 
Why didn't the match happen at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles? Rock's hometown. He's Mr. Hollywood, right? He's the biggest Hollywood actor that there is right now. Why didn't it happen? Let's read. Rock made an appearance on the Pat McAfee show. He gave some insight into a potential match with Roman Reigns and why he hasn't wrestled since 2013, where he put over John Cena at WrestleMania 29. He also noted that WWE wanted to do himself and Reigns, Roman Reigns, at WrestleMania 39 this year. The Rock felt he couldn't get into good enough ring shape in time for a WrestleMania event, which... Listen, I know the news and I know all of the opinions that were coming out during that particular report that came out. Oh, yeah, The Rock is not ready for a WrestleMania match. He needs in-ring reps and he needs in-ring time. And getting ready for a pro wrestling match is a completely different beast, which I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, though he looks like he could be fucking ready for anything he wants to do, I mean, he's in incredible shape for 51 years old, or however old he is. It's not going to translate. It's different if he's going to get in the squared circle and wrestle 15, 20 minutes with Roman Reigns. Now, I want to call bullshit on that. I really do. Because I do know that The Rock is trained or has trained for an in-ring return because... The match was talked about for three years now. So clearly at some point he had to be getting ready for Roman Reigns. And then the match fell through the cracks. Discussions got talked up again. He got ready. The match fell through the cracks. He goes right back to training again, potentially in hopes of getting into WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. And then the match again, plans fall through the wayside. Roman Reigns... You know, Roman Reigns is a different competitor than a lot of people in the WWE. I think if you're going to put Roman Reigns in the ring with The Rock, it's not going to be a a fucking five-star classic. It's going to be more story than anything. The match would be slowed down to Roman Reigns' pace, which is very methodical. It's more Roman Reigns and his behavior in the ring, the mannerisms of Roman Reigns, the story that he tells in the ring, the way he interacts with the audience, feeding off the energy. It wouldn't be your traditional wrestling match. It would definitely be a take on the old school, which would take a lot of stress off of The Rock. Now, as far as Dwayne Johnson is concerned, he did do some light activity last night against Austin Theory on SmackDown. He did a spine buster, which is one of his signature moves, and he did a very emphatic people's elbow. I mean, I'm not going to gauge that he's ready for an in-ring return based off those two moves, but, you know, the likelihood of tearing a a fucking quad or tearing a knee or, or something along those lines for a guy that is 50 years old, hasn't taken a bump in God knows how long, I mean, just based off those two moves last night, simple as they may be, he looked fucking great doing what he did last night and seemingly looked like he didn't miss a step at all. So I don't know what everybody's talking about, that he's not ready for in the ring. And I'm not going to gauge it off those two moves, but I, I think if you put him in the ring right now with Roman Reigns, that he would absolutely tear the house down with Roman Reigns and it would be a WrestleMania match for the ages. That's all I'll say. So I'm not going to sit here and claim that he's not in ring ready, he wasn't in good enough ring shape for WrestleMania, for WrestleMania 39. I'm going to call bullshit on that one. Now, The Rock noted in this appearance that he tore his abdomen during a match with John Cena. 
And that's not the reason he hasn't wrestled again, though it, it could very well be. I mean, you do something like that, you're, you're given a phone call and a paycheck to do this one match, and then in that match, you tear your abdomen, which is going to prolong whatever else you got going on outside of pro wrestling. You know, obviously with his Hollywood commitments at that time, which were kind of, you know, shifting into the next gear, obviously that's going to put a, you know, a cloud over your head and say, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for this pro wrestling thing anymore. And, and if that happened so quickly like that in a match with John Cena, anything can happen, especially now that I'm older. So, again, I don't believe that, you know, that is not the reason why he didn't step into the ring. That very well could be. I mean, that would be for any normal human being that does this type of activity. It's going to cast a shadow of doubt over you. So, you know, The Rock, he's a showman. He's going to say what needs to be said, and he's going to make it sound the best that it can. He doesn't want to make himself look weak and go right to the injury and say, yeah, you know what, the injury scared me a little bit. You know, Rock comes off like a fucking superhero. He's not going to sit there and admit, yeah, the injury, you know, really gave me some doubts about what happened in that match with John Cena and the rest of my career. So he's not going to go out there and say that. He's going to make it sound buttery smooth and nice. He noted that heading into WrestleMania 39, the match with Roman was locked in. And they were going to do it. He confirmed he made a handshake deal to do it after meeting with WWE management in L.A., he said that he's open to a match with Reigns at WrestleMania 40 next year in Philadelphia. Now, he says when Pat McAfee asks why he hasn't wrestled again, honestly, brother, it's not the injury that I'm concerned about because that's just part of it. It's just part of the game. You sign up for it, you'll get hurt. We all get hurt. That's just the way it is. It's not even the schedule because I could control the schedule to a large degree. It's always something that comes to me going back to WWE and wrestling a match. It always comes down to the reason why. I wish WWE gave a shit about the reason why. In most cases, it's the most important question when booking a pro wrestling show. Why? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? So on and so forth. And what we can create that's never been done before for the fans so that's that. That's the idea. Now, that's all fine and good. But if the match was locked in, what makes you sit there with a match locked in with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39 and then you go on to say it needs to come down to the reason why? The whole fucking bloodline story was built around Roman Reigns confronting The Rock from day one. What do you mean why? Why didn't the match happen if the fucking storyline was basically Rocks and Rock was the final boss for Roman Reigns? That's what it was, that's what it is, and that's what it will be. The Bloodline story will not conclude unless it is Dwayne Johnson in the ring with, the, with Roman Reigns. Simple. We can sit here and claim Cody Rhodes needs to finish the story against... Roman Reigns, and that's all fine and good, and there's a pocket of people that want to see that happen. But right now, if you are asked, which match would you rather see at WrestleMania 40? I don't think anybody right now, after Rock's appearance on SmackDown last night, is talking about Cody Rhodes. There's nobody right now talking about Cody and Roman. Cody's ice cold. They don't have a fucking clue as to what to do, where to go with Cody Rhodes. 
And nobody wants to listen to me, man. They want to call me a geek. They want to fucking claim that I'm not legit. They want to sit here and claim that I don't know what I'm talking about. I said it for four months. The feud with Brock Lesnar absolutely derailed Cody Rhodes. I don't give a shit how big of a gatekeeper Brock Lesnar is. I don't give a shit what David versus Goliath story you want to tell in the fucking fantasy realm that is pro wrestling. The feud with Brock Lesnar did nothing for Cody Rhodes. Do you want to know why? They got him feuding with Dominic Mysterio on Monday Night Raw. You mean to tell me that this is a company with a plan for, for, for Cody Rhodes? How do you go from Brock Lesnar to Dominic fucking Mysterio? Cody Rhodes is ice cold. There's nothing about Cody Rhodes that I want to see on WWE TV right now. I mean, unless you're talking about Roman, unless you're talking about CM Punk coming back, unless you're talking about Randy Orton. I don't give a shit. I don't. And neither do you. Cody Rhodes is right now creatively dead on WWE television. And that's not his fault because I love Cody. I think Cody's fucking fantastic. Cody is one of the best storytellers in the entire industry. But for him to be this directionless, for them to stall with Cody Rhodes, yeah, we're just going to wait for WrestleMania 40. Are you? By the time we get there, nobody's going to want to see Cody Rhodes beat Roman Reigns. Nobody. How close he came to the match with Roman Reigns, says The Rock. All right. So The Rock headlining WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. SoFi Stadium. It was locked in. Why didn't it happened. I don't get it. What we're doing, the way we're doing it, we knew we were doing it. We were going to do it. But let me tell you, so about in the beginning of 2022, Nick Khan, who we know, he's the man, Rock and Nick Khan, very close friends. He was very instrumental in bringing in, or he was very instrumental in bringing, bringing uh, Vince and I together. We all flew to LA, we met, we sat. This was in the beginning of 2022. We broke out the Terramana tequila, which is fine tequila. Not a big tequila guy, but it's fine tequila. We toasted life. We toasted the business we love. And about an hour later, we started talking about the potential of what this match could be between myself and Roman Reigns headlining WrestleMania at SoFi. And we shook hands and we hugged right there. All three of us at the table and said, let's do this. And so the North Star, though, so then we had or had a year to really think about this. So the North Star thought was, okay, let's not do something good. Let's not do something great. Let's do something unprecedented. And it was in what we can create for the fans that has never been done before. A match. Great. Roman is an incredible athlete. He's going to be on Mount Rushmore. Good dude, my cousin's family, amazing. We can have the match, but the bigger thought was, what can we do for the fans in this business that we love that will, you know, happen where WrestleMania isn't the end of something. It's actually the beginning of something bigger. What does that mean? Let me repeat that line again for you. We can have the match. But the bigger thought was, what can we do for the fans in this business that we love that will be where WrestleMania isn't the end of something? It's actually the beginning of something bigger. Why didn't the match happen at WrestleMania 39? 
All signs pointed to it happening. It was locked in. Brock met with Vince McMahon. He met with Nick Khan. They had a handshake agreement. They toasted life. They toasted the business. They hugged. Everything was good. Creative was not an issue. The story of the bloodline is Romans to tell with the final boss being Dwayne Johnson. The story is not the issue. Money is not an issue. The Rock doesn't need WWE's money. Whatever he's going to do as far as monetarily with WWE, he'll probably end up giving it to fucking charity for all I know. The fuck does he need WWE's money for? It's not cash. It's not creative. Had the perfect setting with WrestleMania 39. It was the most lucrative WrestleMania in the history of the company. It was the best story-driven WrestleMania of the entire decade. It ended up being one of the best WrestleManias ever. So what's the problem? What is the problem? Do you want to know why this match didn't happen? And I'm going to I'm going to take my I'm going to I'm I'm eventually going to buy one. I'm going to have to buy. I'm going to take my tinfoil cap and put my tinfoil cap on here. The reason why the match did not happen is because it was at that time, whenever that meeting happened, WWE knew exactly that they were selling the company, when they were selling the company, and who they were selling the company to. Mark my words. And if it wasn't a case where they knew they were selling the company to Endeavor, they knew they were selling the company to somebody. They had it in their minds that this company was going to be sold, the announcement was going to be made at WrestleMania 39, and that was the weekend of the announcement. They had a feeling that the that the sale of the company was going to happen in 2023, which it did. It was sold to Endeavor. Now you're looking at WWE owned 51% by Ari Emanuel and Endeavor, 49% is still controlled by the McMahon family. But Dwayne Johnson, who was locked in with a match against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39, is sitting here telling everybody about why it needs to be, why is it happening? It needs to be bigger than what we thought and bigger than what we can do for the fans because it needs to be for the fans in this business that we love that where WrestleMania isn't the end of it. But WrestleMania is going to be the end of it because the bloodline story is going to end with Roman and The Rock. So what are you trying to tell me? Dwayne Johnson strategically waited after saying the match was locked in and it was going to happen. He said no because they all knew at this point in this meeting that come this year, the company was going to be sold. Dwayne Johnson looked at WrestleMania 40 as a nice, big, round number. It's the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania. It's in Philadelphia. The company's now sold to Endeavor. Can you imagine Endeavor's first WrestleMania with them in control, with Dwayne Johnson main eventing WrestleMania 40, the 40th anniversary against the biggest star in the industry? You're going to have the biggest star in the industry right now and Roman Reigns against the biggest star in probably all of the world in Dwayne Johnson. They waited because they knew the sale of the company was going to happen this year, and they did not want to have this match go on with just a mere announcement. Yeah, the company's going to be sold. Yeah, the company's going to be sold to Endeavor, and we're going to merge UFC and WWE. They have dreams of making this the biggest sports enterprise in the history of sports. This merger is supposed to be a big deal. How are you going to make that a big deal by just combining the two and then calling it a day? You're going to have Endeavor buy the company and your first WrestleMania 
owned by Endeavor, is going to be headlined by The Rock. They all knew it then. I don't want to hear it from anybody. At the end of the day, the pro wrestling realm, it's all business. How much money can you make? It's all business. Fuck the fans. The fans have nothing to do with this. The fans have absolutely nothing to do with this. The reason why Roman and Rock did not happen is because they waited for the merger to happen and they waited for the sale to be complete. And with hopes of WrestleMania 40 having all of this come into fruition, now we can move on with what we wanted to do last year. WrestleMania 40 will absolutely be Roman versus The Rock. Whether it's for the title or not, I don't really give a shit. That's exactly why it it, it was held off. You can sit there and claim, hey, it's not injury. Oh, yeah, it was locked in, but... You know, it's not, ske- it's not scheduled. Dwayne Johnson said it had nothing to do with his schedule. No schedule, no injury. The match was locked in. The biggest storyline in the history of WWE right now playing out on television that ends with you. Now, we need to have a why. We need to make it bigger than it initially is. Really? The only thing that comes to mind is UFC, WWE, merged together, Endeavor buys the company, WrestleMania 40, Philadelphia anniversary. I mean, all of this just seems that's the direction that they're going in. So great. Roman, Rock, WrestleMania 40. That's all anybody's talking about last night after Roman uh, is off television. Rock comes back and presents himself after so many years on WWE television being absent. Nobody's talking about Cody Rhodes. Nobody's talking about Cody Rhodes. I don't even want a fantasy book what happens to Cody Rhodes. As soon as, as soon as Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes was a thought, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's the match. Yeah, that's great. We got that at WrestleMania 39. The rematch was inevitable at WrestleMania 40. And now nobody's talking about Cody Rhodes. Everybody's talking about The Rock coming back and shaking the WWE legitimately to its fucking core. Nobody's talking about Cody. Cody's dwindling away on Monday Night Raw, feuding with fucking Dominic Mysterio. You want to talk about him going to WrestleMania and feuding with Roman Reigns? They don't know what to do with him on Monday. I don't want to see Cody Rhodes win the Royal Rumble for a second year in a row. I don't want to see anything along those lines. I'm over it. Does Cody win the title from Roman Reigns before WrestleMania? Sure, he Sure, that would finish his story, but, I mean, there's got to be, finish the story, and there's got to be the setting to finish the story. Where where are you going to finish the story? The Royal Rumble? What are you going to do? Finish the story at the Elimination Chamber? Is Cody going to go into WrestleMania? The story should be finished at WrestleMania. The story should be finished against Roman. There is no other choice. I got geeks online telling me Cody could finish the story against Seth Rollins. These people are fucking half-witted idiots with the IQ of a fucking pencil. No, Cody Rhodes does not need to finish the story against Seth Rollins. That's awful, and that's not finishing the story. That's just giving Cody a consolation prize. You brought him into WWE from AEW to treat him as the biggest star in the company to give him a fucking consolation prize. Good on you, man. I'm glad you're not booking fucking creative. What an awful idea. That is just an awful fucking idea from a half-witted fucking idiot. No. Cody means nothing right now outside of a fucking theme song. He's a fucking theme. And you want to put him in a fucking match with Seth Rollins? That spot's reserved for Gunther. I'm sorry. 
Cody and Roman, where does it take place? I don't even know if it takes place this year. I don't. What does Cody do at WrestleMania? Cody's got options. We could sit on this Cody train for a little bit longer. Does he need to win the championship at WrestleMania 40? I mean, he's going to be with the WWE for a few more years. Does he need to finish the story at WrestleMania 40? It's almost as if everybody's crying off. We don't get Cody and Roman. What do we do? I mean, what the fuck do we do? You could do Cody versus John Cena. You could do Cody versus Randy Orton. It's a WrestleMania match if I ever fucking conjured one up. I'd actually like to see that more than fucking Cody versus Roman, to be quite honest with you. You could do Cody versus <laughs> CM Punk. CM Punk going to be back in the WWE. What a fucking match that would be, huh? Can you imagine a WrestleMania with Cody versus Punk and Roman versus The Rock on the same fucking show? I don't know, man. Now, that's all depending on if CM Punk ends up with ends up back with the WWE. Now, I, listen, I'm fantasy booking there myself, but... I mean, don't sit there and tell me that Cody is out of options for a WrestleMania match. Cody versus Orton seems like the biggest possibility and realistic one at that. Because don't sit there and tell me that Cody's got no options for WrestleMania. He certainly does. But right now, all signs point to Roman and Rock. This Pat McAfee interview was groundbreaking. This is the first time we saw Rock on WWE television since I don't even know when. Couldn't even tell you. But he's back on WWE television for at least a night. SmackDown last night was the best SmackDown of 2023. Within the first hour, we saw John Cena and Dwayne Johnson on the same fucking show. It's crazy. It's like I was back in a fucking time warp last night. John Cena, The Rock, Rey Mysterio, The Miz. I'm like, what era of WWE am I watching here in 2023? But the reason why this match did not happen is not because of injury, it's not because of creative, it's not because of money, it's not because of scheduling, it's not because The Rock isn't ready. The Rock waited, the WWE waited because they wanted WrestleMania 40. They wanted sale of the company. They wanted the company to be sold to whomever, in this case Endeavor. And they wanted the first WrestleMania under the new Endeavor umbrella to go on and be the biggest show in the history of wrestling. And that's exactly what it's going to end up being. That's the reason why. Rock even said it himself without actually saying it himself. He goes on to say, and in closing, so we got really, really close, but we couldn't actually nail what the thing was. So we decided to put our pencils down, and then we agreed, hey, listen, there's a merger coming up. Eventually, that will happen. There's WrestleMania in Philadelphia. Boom. He told you without actually telling you, like I just said. The reason why this match didn't happen was because they waited for the merger to happen. Cody was nothing more than a fucking pawn in WWE's imminent WrestleMania 39 plans. Hey, we can't get Dwayne, but we got this other fucking guy that we just took away from the other company. You know, the guy who was an EVP over there. Hey, we'll just throw him in there and have him wrestle Roman Reigns. The fans will get excited, and Roman and Cody will put on a great main event, and then we'll fuck Cody in the end. 
and people legitimately thought Cody Rhodes was going to be the one to beat Roman Reigns. <laughs> oh, man, there are still people out there that thought that match should have ended differently. Seeing how WWE television played out, yes, it should have ended differently. They've done nothing with Cody Rhodes. They've done nothing with Roman Reigns. And everything that Roman Reigns has done on television could have been done without the championships. Fact. They waited. Cody was nothing more than a pawn in Nick Khan, Vince McMahon's game. And now Dwayne Johnson is the one pulling the strings, man. They all are going to appease Dwayne over Cody Rhodes. Brings me back to that CM Punk pipe bomb. The fact that you and Dwayne are main eventing WrestleMania and I'm not even on the fucking cups, the plastic cups and the goddamn posters makes me sick. Sounds like the grounds for Cody Rhodes pipe bomb, if you ask me. Because he's obviously being replaced by Dwayne. I'm saying that's a potential too. I'm open, he says. But again, let's figure out what that is because the fans deserve something incredible and unprecedented. Yes, a match with Roman Reigns is incredible. A match with Roman Reigns is unprecedented. A merger of the WWE with UFC being bought out by Endeavor is unprecedented. Key words here. And not only that, but I also want to deliver to the locker room the boys and the girls in the back who are working their asses off, what can we do to put them in a position where they're a part of something that is a new change in the era of pro wrestling? Boom. Again, he told you without telling you. Again, Vince is a big picture thinker, as you know, and this is why we've gotten along for years, just trying to think of the big picture. When anybody wants to talk about why this match didn't happen, now you can reference this interview and this podcast with Pat McAfee, Roman Reigns, and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Absolutely more of a reality than ever before for WrestleMania 40. And Cody Rhodes, it looks like Cody Rhodes, will not be finishing his story, at least from this vantage point at this moment right now. Now, we're going to get into the SmackDown show. And I thought it was a damn good show last night. I was at the House of Glory show at the NYC Arena in Queens, New York. We had a very good show last night. Matt Cardona defended the HOG World Championship against Homicide, ROH legend, Impact veteran. He's wrestled everywhere. Homicide. He retained the championship only to be confronted by Mike Santana of LAX, former LAX, former proud and powerful Santana, AEW superstar, confronted Matt Cardona. And that's going to be a banger whenever that happens. And that's where I was last night. If you guys watched or tried to watch it on the Premier Network, uh, there was a problem streaming the show to Premier Network. Uh, I, unfortunately, and House of Glory, unfortunately, had no control over that. Uh, it was our fault that the show did not air on Premier Network. It will be uploaded. It was recorded, and it will be uploaded eventually to Premier Network. But the internet at the venue, the NYC Arena, went out, and it could not be fixed in time. 
So it's not Premier Network's fault. It has nothing to do with Premier Network. They are absolutely incredible. Their staff is incredible. Their production crew is incredible. And it's not their fault. So that's where I was last night. I was not live on SmackDown uh, Friday night. That's why I'm here tonight. And we're going to get into this thing right here. And we're going to jump right into it, man. I don't want to waste any of your time here on this Saturday afternoon. We got The Rock, Pat McAfee, and Austin Theory opening the show. And what an open to the show this was, man. I was absolutely engaged in everything. I, I watched this show back at like 1.30 in the morning, man. I do my commentary for Hog. I come home. I am dead tired. Laid on the couch with my iPad, watched the show under a blanket, had a piece of cheesecake, and I'm sitting there, and I forgot I was even eating my cheesecake because The Rock showed up on television. So Pat McAfee first made his way to the ring. And he's back, and Michael Cole's putting him over. Michael Cole loves Pat McAfee. He talked about being in the Rockies to talk about a college football game. He said when he looked online, he saw SmackDown was nearby, and there was 0% chance he wasn't going to pay a visit. He said it was his honor to say, welcome to Friday Night SmackDown. All of a sudden, Austin Theory's music plays. Austin Theory, of all people, Chosen for this segment. Now, yes, Austin Theory has had uh, a little beef with Pat McAfee. So at least they chose someone that had to do a little with Pat McAfee's past in the few matches he's wrestled in WWE. So he comes out and Theory said, look, look at what the cat dragged in. He says he is 26 years old. He's everywhere. Whereas at age 26, McAfee was only a mugshot. He told fans to shut their mouths. He was booed heavily in Denver. Austin Theory is not liked. Theory said McAfee thinks he's special because he has a private jet and a desk he sits behind talking football all day. He says he's going to drop McAfee in a few minutes and send him back to his desk, unable to do anything, just like Aaron Rodgers. A little soon? I don't know. All those Jet fans still can't get over the fact that they lost their star quarterback for the rest of the year. McAfee says he's not going to do anything to him, but he's pumped that he's trying to dress like him and be like him. Theory said he wears a black tank top. He looks like a Greek god when he does, whereas McAfee, when he dresses in a black tank top, he looks like he should be flipping burgers at some burger joint. McAfee says he doesn't want to fight him he says he's currently enjoying the hell out of the local laws here, meaning he's enjoying some uh, good old marijuana. McAfee said the biggest problem with Theory is he is disrespectful to the business and the fans. Theory says he doesn't care about them. McAfee said it's the people's show, not Theory's show, because Austin Theory said this is my show. This is Austin Theory Live. McAfee asked if he knows what that means. All of a sudden, the Rock's music hit, and I swear to God, man, this was the loudest reaction to anything I've heard all year. Anything I heard all year. The, the only thing that comes close is fucking Bad Bunny at Backlash in Puerto Rico. That was it. That was a great moment. But I mean, I'm watching this on my fucking iPad, man, and my iPad started to fucking rumble and rattle with how loud this reaction is. The fucking building, I'm sure, was shaking. I, I never heard a fucking... I mean, you went from zero to 150 with that type of... As soon as he hit that theme music, the fans jumped to their feet, and it was fucking crazy. 
They had a backstage video of The Rock. As soon as his theme music hit, he's walking through Gorilla. He's walking through Curtain. You see a fucking smile on his face as soon as he hears that fucking pop, man. He knew what was going to happen when he walked out there. Unbelievable. He relished in that moment for several minutes. Stood on the stage. He's looking around. He's smiling. I'm sure he's got fucking goosebumps up and down his entire body. He makes his way to the ring. He starts walking. Crowd pops again when he actually starts to move. He gets into the ring. He does his whole thing to hear his theme music again. That guitar solo during his theme. Man, what a fucking moment this was, really. You know, I've been very down on SmackDown. And SmackDown has been probably the worst wrestling show of the entire week. I'd even put Monday Night Raw over SmackDown. And that says a lot about how I hate Monday Night Raw. SmackDown's been worse. But I did not think of all those lame SmackDowns in weeks prior, man. I'm watching this, and I'm like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, man. This is something that we've all wanted. This is something that we've all asked for, to see Dwayne Johnson back on SmackDown, back on WWE television. There's no way anybody could sit there and not fucking enjoy this energy. There's no way anybody can sit there and watch The Rock and not love and appreciate him, and he just comes off like nobody else. There's no fucking way you're going to watch any of this and have anything negatively to say about this. At all. He's out there. What a reaction. What a reaction. Loud Rocky chants. He hugged Pat McAfee. And then he circled Theory. We got a holy shit chant. Now, I heard from a lot of people watching this on Fox that it was insufferable to watch this on Fox 5 or your local Fox 5 affiliate. I watched this on some, you know, bootleg stream site because I don't have DVR And I did not watch SmackDown Live, being that I was at the House of Glory show. So I watched whatever they uploaded to Daily Motion or or whatever the case may be online. And I got the full uncensored version of the holy shit chant. And then whatever The Rock did with the crowd sing-along against Austin Theory later on in the segment. But some people were telling me that if you watch on your local Fox 5 affiliate that the censorship of whatever The Rock did was absolutely pathetic. It was sad. It was lame. It was insufferable. I don't get it. We're living in 2023. Why do we need to live in these fucking woke times? We can't get a holy shit chant on fucking television? I mean, holy shit. You say worse shit to your fucking mother on a daily basis. The fuck is the problem with the holy shit chant, especially when The Rock is out there? I mean, let the fucking fans have fun. Who gives a shit? Oh, the kids are watching. Who gives a fuck? Just ruin the entire experience for everybody watching at home. Let the parents do the parenting and stop the censorship. I didn't have anything to do with that. I I didn't watch it live on Fox. I watched it on a bootleg streaming service, so I was fine. So I heard all that needed to be heard. We got a holy shit chant. They waited it out. Theory. Then says, do you know whose ring you're in? He's looking right at Dwayne. Rock interrupted him and said, shut your bitch ass up. You clearly don't know how all this works. He took off his jacket. He threw it into the front row. One lucky fan. I don't know. Fans look like they were fighting over that shit, man. That jacket reached the front row. Whoever caught that jacket, one lucky motherfucker, man. Probably on eBay as we speak. We got another loud Rocky chant. Theory said, maybe I should try. He said, finally. The people get to see The Rock and Austin in the ring again one last time. Only this time, it's not boring old Stone Cold. It's a real Austin, a real ass kicker. 
He says he's going to have a career so great, he'll be on the entire Mount Rushmore. Rock began to respond, and The Rock was about to say, it doesn't matter, and Austin Theory cut him off and yelled in The Rock's face, it doesn't matter what The Rock says. Rock says it actually does matter. He said, more importantly, it matters what the people say. He said, Steve Austin is my boy, and if he was there, he'd ask for a hell yeah if he wants to see him kick Theory's ass. The crowd gave Rocky a hell yeah. Rock's ex, Rock asks if he's from A-Town. And Theory said, damn right I'm from A-Town. Rock said, well, clearly, you're from A-Town and you're an A-hole. He says he'll show him that he's an A-hole. And then he counted down from three seconds. Rock says one side of the audience is going to say, you know, you are. And then the other side's going to chance an asshole. So The Rock counted down three, two, one. We got one half of the arena chanting, you are. And the other half of the crowd chanting, an asshole. And this went on for a good two minutes. This was bleeped out by Fox, which is fucking absolutely pathetic. I couldn't imagine watching this on television and being happy with what I was listening to. So again, I got the uncensored version, and this was fucking incredible. This was incredible. The power that The Rock has over everybody watching this show live in attendance is absolutely just stuff of legends, man. I mean, there's not many people that could have the crowd in the palm of his hand that way. You are an asshole. You are an asshole. I mean, you rarely see that type of shit at all. I mean, I've been to metal concerts where they got fucking uh, tidal wave mosh pits. I mean, the lead singer of whoever whoever, uh, I'm watching, you know, the way that they command an audience, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Some of these fucking singers, when you go to a heavy metal concert, they'll fucking split the pit. One side of the pit goes over here. The other side goes over here. When we get this guitar riff going, it's like a fucking tidal wave of mosh. I mean, I, obviously, I'm the old geezer who's sitting in the fucking back in his fucking cozy seat, drinking a beer, watching all these fucking youngsters just kill each other with karate kicks and fucking dives and all this other shit. But it's a great thing to see. It, it's so fucking cool to see someone have an audience like that in the palm of their hands. And Dwayne did that with this chant twice. I mean, Pat McAfee was just fucking lounging on the turnbuckle listening to this shit. Theory, he's seething at this point. He can't believe that they're chanting this to him. He's yelling at the crowd to stop. They chanted louder. This was fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible stuff. Theory yelled, he's not an asshole. They ended up muting McAfee and The Rock responding as the chant continued on Fox. I did watch the Fox version back. It was awful. Rock said fans clearly know who Theory is. He says he has a theory of his own. Rock said in three seconds, he's going to whip his ass all over Denver. Theory, at that point, punched The Rock and got the first shot in on The Rock. Rock gave him a spine buster. He milked the moment. Michael Cole was screaming at the top of his lungs about the people's elbow Delivered to people's elbow. Michael Cole yelled, are you ready? It's been a long time. His voice cracked. Truly incredible moment, man. Rock encouraged McAfee to take his best shot at theory. McAfee did his own version of the people's elbow. And it looked pretty decent from Pat McAfee. McAfee and Rock hugged. And what a start to SmackDown it was, man. 
We can sit here and praise Dwayne Johnson all we want. We know what Dwayne does. We know what The Rock is capable of. It is fucking truly incredible, okay? I want people to start paying attention to Austin Theory. Honestly. I know a lot of people are very low on Austin Theory. They don't really have him doing much of anything. He beat John Cena at WrestleMania, and he won the United States Championship. They didn't do anything with him. And the United States Championship, he's floundering in in the mid-card with Grayson Waller and this newly formed duo on Friday night. Why was Austin Theory chosen for this role? Because the WWE thinks the world of Austin Theory. When you want to talk about the next somebody, I hate when they say that. Austin Theory's got very similar attributes, very similar looks, very similar style to what John Cena brought to the table as a youngster into the WWE. That's what they see Austin Theory as. They see Austin Theory as their next John Cena. Obviously, work needs to be done. He needs to grow a character, develop a character, get some more natural charisma, you know, come off more naturally to the audience. But, you know, a lot of people are down on Austin Theory. I don't really understand why. Austin Theory may be rough around the edges to some. I look at Austin Theory, and I think he does a fucking great job. I don't know about you guys. He may be boring to you, And yes, I get why you say that, and I see why you say that, but I'm looking past all that shit, man. I see the potential in Austin Theory. He comes off great on the microphone. He's a great heat magnet. Whether whether or not it's legit, you know, I don't know. I think more people boo Austin Theory because they legitimately can't stand Austin Theory, and then that translates to go-away heat. But Austin Theory was chosen for this role because WWE thinks highly, and they think the world of Austin Theory. He nailed the segment out of the park last night. From the facial reactions to his calm demeanor on the microphone. Can you imagine what Austin Theory was thinking being in the ring with fucking Rock last night asking this young kid at 26 years old to go out there and cut a fucking promo on the Rock? I don't know, man. I'd be fucking quivering in my goddamn boots if I was Austin Theory. And he passed the test with flying colors, man. There was absolutely no sign of nerves on him whatsoever. He's got the WWE endorsement, clearly. He nailed the segment last night with everything he needed to. Facial reaction, body language, promos. He didn't stutter. He got his words right. He did a great job last night. He punched the rock. He got some offense in on the rock. He took a spine buster. He took a people's elbow. I mean, yeah, he looked like a geek. But he fucking nailed that spot last night. And look at what WWE has Austin Theory doing. They had him in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin. They had him in the ring with Pat McAfee. They had him in the ring with Vince McMahon. They had him in the ring with John Cena. And they had him in the ring with The Rock. All in a span of a year and a half. They they could have chosen anybody for those roles. But that's what they think of Austin Theory. So whether you like him or not, Austin Theory is the future. He is going to be the future. Ten years from now, who's going to be in the main event? Who's going to be the one that they're shoving down your throat and jamming him down your throat with a plunger? Austin Theory. Tonight just reiterated that and and solidified that fact. So let's give him some credit too. It could have been anybody out there. The Rock could have did this with anybody. They chose him and he nailed it. Could anybody have done that? Just as good as Austin Theory? Yeah, maybe. But Austin Theory fit that role right now for them, and he fucking crushed it. 
So let's start giving him some fucking credit, too, because we know what Dwayne does, and a lot of people are probably going to overlook the fact that Austin Theory was made to look like a geek last night. They're just going to look at that fact and say, hey, he looked like a, a chump. They're not going to really hone in on everything else that Austin Theory did right there. Yeah, he took a spine buster, he took a people's elbow, and he looked like a fucking geek. Let's start giving him his credit. Finn Balor. Finn Balor's on the show. Now you see why WWE took the titles off of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and put them on the Judgment Day. Judgment Day is now able to be on Raw and SmackDown, legitimately. Because the tag team championships can float back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. Judgment Day is the hottest act in WWE. They want to ride that wave. So why not take the hottest act and put them on all three shows? A little overexposure, sure. But that's the reason why they gave the Judgment Day the tag team titles. Finn Balor. And AJ Styles, I could have watched this for another 10 minutes. They were having a damn good match, man. It went eight minutes. Not all eight minutes were on TV. And these guys, man, this is the most frustrating part about WWE television. You get a match like Finn Balor and AJ Styles on television, and you know it's going to be riddled with a four-minute fucking commercial. I got to sit there and watch this match take place for four minutes. When you know how good Balor is and you know how good AJ Styles is. It just frustrates the shit out of me. It does. So, Balor and the Judgment Day are trying to recruit Jay Uso on Monday Night Raw. They're trying to recruit Jimmy Uso here on SmackDown. And AJ Styles, he was beaten up by Judgment Day last week in some retaliation, some deal made between the Judgment Day and the Bloodline. Balor put the, uh, put the boots to Styles to early. Styles fought back. Uh, Balor comes back with a basement drop kick on Styles, slowed the match down with a chin lock. It's either a headlock or a chin lock. WWE slows their matches down with either one. Styles eventually worked out of it. Tilt to whirl backbreaker on Finn Balor. Balor then rolled to the outside. Styles and Balor went for cross body blocks at the same time. And the two were down in the middle of the ring. We got a double down. Styles was up first. He landed a forearm. A leaping clothesline. Styles lifted Balor. But Dominic Mysterio got on the apron, which was enough for Balor to rake AJ in the eyes. Styles, he kind of brushes that off. He comes back with a face plant on Balor. Drives him face first into the mat. Goes for cover, gets a two count. Both wrestlers now are on the ropes. Styles went for a Frankensteiner off the top of Balor. Held on to the ropes to counter the Frankensteiner. Styles got himself... You know, back into position, he went for a Styles Clash. Balor fought out of it immediately. If there's anybody that knows a reversal to the Styles Clash, it is Finn Balor. Balor found himself outside the ring after this. Styles hit a splash on Balor and clotheslined Dominic for good measure. Because fuck Dominic. Styles got on the apron, set up for the phenomenal forearm. Damian Priest is out there. He holds Styles' ankle. The ref ejected Dom and Priest, but out of nowhere, Jimmy Uso shows up and distracted Styles enough for Balor to roll Styles up for the win. One, two, three. Jimmy Uso returning the favor to help the Judgment Day against AJ Styles because they were there at the end of last week's show. So Jimmy Uso now. At this point in the show, the question was, 
Is Jimmy Uso helping Judgment Day because there's some sort of alliance now with the Judgment Day and Jimmy Uso? You know, Jimmy Uso's story, I don't know where Jimmy Uso's story is going. I mean, it's just so convoluted. It really is. I, I don't think there's a clear-cut direction on where WWE seemingly is booking this haphazardly, it feels like. But I will say this. Jimmy Uso and his story on SmackDown, if this was Jimmy Uso's story by himself, away from Jay, and they didn't include Judgment Day, and they didn't include the Bloodline, and all these other different aspects and factors, Jimmy Uso would be absolutely vanilla, plain as day boring. They have to do all this extra to make Jimmy Uso interesting because he is the least interesting right now of the Usos. At least if you're comparing him to Jay Uso. So the fact that they got him mingling with the bloodline, they got him mingling with AJ Styles, we got AJ Styles trying to get into bloodline business, Jimmy Uso being recruited by the Judgment Day. I mean, it makes Jimmy Uso by default a little bit more interesting. But if this was Jimmy Uso on his own, I don't think it would be as interesting, nowhere near as interesting as it is now. But again, they got several different avenues that they could go here with Jimmy Uso. Which one are they going to go down? I don't know. I don't know. It has something to do with war games. I'll tell you that right now. I just feel like it has something to do with war games. Jay Uso is absolutely much more compelling. Because Jay Uso is the cooler Uso. Jay Uso has the... You know, locker room right now on Monday Night Raw, not trusting everything that he's doing. He's got the built-in story with Kevin Owens. He's got the built-in story with Sami Zayn. That could potentially lead to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens splitting because Sami loves Jay. Kevin Owens doesn't really give a shit about Jay Uso. That could be a reason why they took the tag team titles off of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens as well and put them on the Judgment Day. Drew McIntyre's got a problem with Jay Uso because the bloodline ruined Drew McIntyre's chance of winning the world title at Clash at the Castle last year. There's a lot of different ways that they, that they can go about this, but he is definitely more uh, of the intriguing of the two Usos. And my goodness, man, we are getting the party started. Make sure it's cold for George Isaac. With a $100 Super Chat. It's been a while since I could hang out with you. Who do you think the guy is to beat Roman? P.S. Share half of this with Jesse. Sure, Jesse is going to chime in here any second now. But, uh, George, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you joining me, man. I'm glad you could join us here on the podcast, man. I know... Sometimes the late-night streams are too late for people over in the UK or other parts of the world, and this time is a great time for all, man. It's 12 p.m., 1 p.m. here, 2 p.m. now on the East Coast here in New York City. You guys are sitting down to have a cold beverage over in the United Kingdom. It's great, man. George, thank you so much. Who do I think is going to be the guy to beat Roman? Right now, I still have Cody pegged in that spot. But if you're asking me... Right now, everybody's talking about The Rock, and they're not talking about Cody. Maybe The Rock ends up taking the title off of Roman. I don't think that's a good idea at all. If I was to guess, I don't think Roman's losing the championship at all, man. If I had to make a guess, 
WWE is probably in the mindset that they're going to take Roman Reigns and have him beat Bruno San Martino's record. That's a little bit too long, man. I don't know if the fans are going to have that uh, great of patience, but uh, it, it should realistically come to an end at WrestleMania 40. Absolutely. Whether that's The Rock or Cody, it needs to end. Roman is the champion, needs to end. So yeah, Jimmy Uso, he's got all these different factors working for him, which is going to enhance his importance on the show, where Jay Uso, Jay Uso just feels like a star on Monday night. They cut to McAfee and The Rock chatting backstage. They said Denver would have gone on for two hours chanting asshole. They broke into smiles because John Cena walked in. He walked up to The Rock and they greeted each other and they embraced and hugged each other, saying to each other it was happy to see them back home. So that was a great moment, man. I don't know what fucking realm I was in. John Cena and Dwayne Johnson on the same SmackDown in 2023. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Nobody. Jimmy Uso. He's in the back. He called out for Finn Balor. Finn Balor was in the hallway. He advanced towards Jimmy Uso. Balor thanked him for the assist. Jimmy said it didn't have anything to do with him. Don't get it twisted. He said they helped him last week, so now they're even, and he returned the favor. Dallas said, that's cool, but I know you must miss your brother. He told Jimmy that he misses Jay. He said he spoke to Jay about joining the Judgment Day, and he didn't say no. He suggested that they both join the Judgment Day. Jimmy says that would take care of Cena and Styles and the problem that he has with both. Balor says he just wanted to throw it out there. He then says this line. He says, there are no leaders in Judgment Day, meaning there's no Roman. Jimmy listened. Jimmy didn't turn away at that fact. Heyman turned the corner, saw them talking, and walked up to Jimmy as they cut to the ring. Now, Paul Heyman... Later in the show, told Sol Sokoa that Jimmy Uso was not in the bloodline. He's thinking that he's in the bloodline. Is this going to develop into a story where Jimmy Uso wants to move so far away from Roman Reigns and the bloodline and Paul Heyman that they don't want to accept him back so that he accepts the offer from Finn Balor to join the Judgment Day and it becomes a situation where the bloodline is really wanting Jimmy Uso back because they feel he should be in the bloodline and not in the Judgment Day, and they're going to save Jimmy from joining the Judgment Day. Is this going to lead to a bloodline versus Judgment Day feud? I don't know. The possibility is there now that the Judgment Day is able to be on SmackDown because of the tag team titles being around Damian Priest and Finn Balor. But again, it adds another wrinkle of intrigue to something where there previously was not with Jimmy Uso. I'm intrigued. Is Jimmy going to join the Judgment Day? Is Jay Uso going to join the Judgment Day? I don't know. If they join the Judgment Day, that would be one surefire way to get them back together on TV. I don't know. Very interesting development there. There are no leaders in the Judgment Day, meaning there is no Roman Reigns. Or it could mean nothing, and we're just waiting for Roman Reigns to get back to television. I don't know. 
The LWO, they were in the ring. Rey Mysterio, Zelina Vega, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Cruz del Toro. Promo time for the LWO. Rey Mysterio said he was at a low point when the LWO reminded him of who he was and what family really represents. He said he's now the United States champion, and he has a family that is united and stronger than ever. Escobar said Rey stepped up to win the title when Theory took him out. He says he's happy, he did it, and he's a legend. Escobar said his career dream has been to face his idol, Rey Mysterio. With the title on the line, he asked Ray if he would give him a title match. Ray said, after all they've been through, you're asking for a title opportunity? Escobar says he has all the respect in the world for Ray Mysterio. Ray switched very quickly and was kind of trolling Santos Escobar and said, of course, I'll give you a title match anytime you want. They embraced, they hugged, and the LWO was about to leave the ring. Up until the new Hurt Business. Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits walked out. Fans chanted for Bobby. He said there was an awkward love fest going on in the ring. He says it's going to be easier than he imagined to take over, meaning that what he's seeing in the ring is weakness. So, Wild and Del Toro challenged the Street Profits to a tag team match which we got right then and there. Referee was present immediately, and we got Joaquin Wilde and Cruz Del Toro of the LWO against the Street Profits. Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. This match went three minutes. Three minutes. Now, I'm all for the Street Profits looking dominant. I'm all for them making Bobby Lashley look good and keeping the promise of what Bobby Lashley said. They're here to dominate and destroy and win championships. That's fine and good. But when you got two great talents like Joaquin Wilde and Cruz Del Toro who are a comparable tag team in one of the more popular groups in the WWE and then you have them lose basically in a squash match in three minutes, it doesn't in turn make the LWO look all that impressive. I don't know why. I don't know why this match was made and the decision was made to bury Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro. They are basically the jobbers of the LWO. Santos and Rey Mysterio hog all the spotlight. Who do we need to lose matches? Can't be Rey, can't be Santos. Let's throw those other two bums in tag team matches and have them lose because nobody gives a shit about Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde. It's fucked up. Really fucked up. Or it could lead to a bigger storyline where Legato del Fantasma is removed from Rey Mysterio, and they go on to do their own thing, and then they become a more solid group with Santos as the leader. I don't know. I just don't like these two guys being squashed. The same thing happened a couple weeks ago with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Three minutes. Absolutely a waste of time. Waste of television time. Now, there is tension between Santos and Rey Mysterio. There will be... Right now, it's not really present, but... They are absolutely slow burning it. They're slow playing the tension between Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio. Now, I don't know when we're going to get this match, but Santos and Rey Mysterio, I do believe, are in a tag team match next week. If, if I could find uh, the tag team match. Yes, it is Santos Escobar and the Street Profits next week. They know what they're doing here. 
strategically put these two in a tag team match against the Street Profits. There's no way that Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar are losing this match next week. Or, or, or winning this match, rather. There's no way that the Street Profits are losing this match next week. There will be something that happens there where Santos kind of gets upset at Rey Mysterio and blames Rey Mysterio for the loss, and there's going to be a little tension built. That's eventually going to lead to a Santos Escobar Rey Mysterio United States Championship match. Don't know if the turn is going to happen before the match or after the match, but Santos Escobar is in the midst of a heel turn, and he's going to turn on Rey Mysterio. Now, I previously stated that this is a WrestleMania match if you want to go and book it, but we may not make it that far. Because I do think that Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, a lot of people are talking about a rematch between Rey and Dom, hair versus mask. That was supposed to be this year. Well, that was the rumor, at least. So if Rey Mysterio doesn't wrestle Santos Escobar at WrestleMania, because it's not too early to, to be thinking about WrestleMania, WrestleMania usually takes shape, and the WrestleMania build usually happens around Survivor Series. So I'm starting to think about what we're going to do with some of these guys at WrestleMania, man. You see some of these storylines playing out on television. Does Santos take the title from Rey Mysterio before WrestleMania? I would say that's probably the best bet. A hair versus mask match with Rey Mysterio, possibly a retirement match with Rey's career also on the line. You know, mask versus career or, or hair versus career, whatever the case may be. Mask, career, same thing. Mask versus hair between Dominic and Rey Mysterio. If there's any better way to go out, it should be against, it should be uh, against your son for Rey Mysterio, right? I mean, I'm here thinking, yeah, Santos and Rey, that's a passing of the torch there, but you're going to want Santos to turn heel beforehand. Have him win the championship, have him hold the United States championship, and instead of putting LA Knight, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, instead of making LA Knight go out there and have a fucking promo with Paul Heyman and indirectly mention that he's coming after Roman Reigns and the Universal Heavyweight Championship, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Have Santos turn heel, have him beat Rey Mysterio, put Rey Mysterio up against Dominic next year, and Santos and LA Knight would be a fantastic match at WrestleMania for the United States Championship where Santos could drop the title to LA Knight. That's where he should realistically be. He shouldn't be chasing Gunther, he shouldn't be chasing Rollins, he shouldn't be chasing Roman Reigns, he should be chasing the United States Championship. Let's start giving some love to that United States Championship because what you did with Gunther in the IC title necessarily hasn't translated over to the United States title, and I think that needs to be. That's where I'm going with that. Afterwards, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar stopped the post-match attack by the Prophets. Lashley hits Escobar from behind. Rey Mysterio turned to Lashley and had heated words for him. Ray lunged towards Lashley, who took off his jacket, Ford grabbed Ray's leg, and Dawkins punched him down. So, I don't know, man. Are, are Lashley and the Prophets turning heels? Are they a heel group? Because they get some decent reactions when they come on out. So, it's going to be interesting to see what role they play, man. It, it's got to be defined. They need, they need to be a babyface group or a heel group. It can't be, you know, they come off as, you know, heels, and they're getting cheered from the crowd going to mess things up if they're going to be heels then they should act like heels if they're going to be baby faces then they should act like baby faces LA Knight he went one-on-one -on -one with the Miz now I thought this match was better than their payback match at the pay-per-view this was short it was concise it wasn't 18 19 minutes like it was at the pay-per-view I actually preferred what they did last night 
over what they did at the pay-per-view. The amount of time that they put into this match should have been the pay-per-view match. The pay-per-view match went way too long. It was drawn out. It was just boring. And John Cena didn't really add to the overall intrigue of the match. So I enjoyed what these two did last night. Now, LA Knight, obviously very over. No matter where he goes, he was over big time in Denver. They locked up. Miz slowed it down immediately with a side headlock. LA Knight hit a shoulder block. Crowd was doing tiny balls, tiny balls to Miz. Miz, he was begging off LA Knight and trying to stop LA Knight's offense. He then rammed Knight into the turnbuckle again to get the upper hand. Miz and Knight go trading chops back and forth. LA Knight had a power slam for a two count. LA Knight then landed a neck breaker. He followed that up with a leaping shoulder block. Goes for another cover, gets a two count. Miz comes back quickly with a knee. He then kicked LA Knight in the head. Miz was kind of toying with the crowd a little bit. He lifted Knight up. Knight worked out of it. Hit a neck breaker. A bulldog from the second rope. Miz comes back. Face plants Knight. He goes for a quick cover. He gets a two count. Miz had control. After a commercial break, he kicked LA Knight in the stomach. Miz hit a running knee to Knight's face, which is basically stolen from Brian Danielson. He went for his finisher, the skull-crushing finale, but Knight fought out of it, hit a clothesline, a Russian leg sweep, a DDT. Crowd starting to get into it. Knight hit some boots, a running knee, goes for a cover, gets a two-count. They traded roll-ups, sloppily, but they traded roll-ups. Miz thought he hit a DDT. This was a great spot. Miz thought he hit a DDT, but LA Knight held on to the middle rope on the way down. Miz took a flat back bump, and LA Knight basically thwarted the DDT attempt here, which was great stuff. So he held on to that rope. Miz responded by getting up and hitting a knee strike and a code breaker for a near fall. Miz was angry at the referee. He thought that was a three count. He was setting up for a big kick. LA Knight moved. And then out of nowhere, he landed the BFT for the one, two, three. Decent match. Better than the match at Payback. That's just my honest and personal opinion. But what I thought here tonight was that they were more successful in what they tried to accomplish than what they tried to accomplish at Payback. Now, I know the Miz is a gatekeeper. And... This is the blow-off. That's it. There's no more LA Knight, and there's no more Miz. He got two wins over the Miz, and that is it. No more. This is the blow-off, and the Miz they used as the gatekeeper. Could LA Knight hang with someone like the Miz? Could he wrestle a longer match with the Miz? If we're going to put him in a bigger program, he's going to need to show us what he can do in the ring over a longer period of time. That's what he accomplished with the Miz. He went 18 minutes with the Miz at the pay-per-view. He went another 12 minutes here on SmackDown. He clearly can cut a promo. He handled his shit well with The Miz face-to-face in promo battles. L.A. Knight is ready. This was the gatekeeper feud for L.A. Knight. He's now ready. I don't want to hear anything else about L.A. Knight needing a test or he needs to go through this gatekeeper and he needs to prove himself. Give me a break. Give me a break. L.A. Knight's not going to have five-star matches. It's just not going to be the case. He's a serviceable talent in the ring he'll give you a good three three and a half he has entertaining matches he doesn't have the most exciting move set but he's more character than he is in ring he's more sports entertainment than he is aew you know 
He's not going to go into fucking AEW or, or, or the Tokyo Dome and wrestle fucking five-star matches. It's not LA Knight. He was built for sports entertainment. That's why he's here. And that's why he's so beloved. But this is it. They didn't have bad matches. They had very good matches. This was a very good match last night. The match at the pay-per-view was a little, a little off, a little t- too long. But good for them. Miz served a, a good purpose here. Miz showed you he still has the capabilities of helping younger talent get over. In this case, a newer talent, not necessarily younger, a newer talent. Miz has shown how valuable he still is and how good he still is. Not a fan, but he's very good at what he does. And LA Knight, now it's time to move him to the next level. He proved himself big time. Backstage, we had pretty dead. Lee, pretty deadly. They rolled up on Adam Pierce. Elton Prince reflected on, on his shoulder and how it is still broken. He's in the wheelchair, by the way. Pierce asked them why Prince would be in a wheelchair if the problem was his shoulder. Ah, oh, here we go, man. The eels, the, the, the rascal eels are, are going to fake an injury. It's great. Kit Wilson chimed in and said, they will be back before anyone knows it. And Prince gave a loud, yes, boy. Not a fan. Not a fan. They are very, very out there. And what they do, I'm not a fan of. I don't think the fans are really taking to them either. It's not translating well to the main roster audience. But time will tell. Time will tell about pretty dead Lee. Bailey was backstage against, uh, well, not really again. She was backstage with Dakota Kai. They were shown backstage. Kai told Bailey that Bailey has. Well, she has to show up against Asuka later tonight. Kai mentioned how Bailey has been distracted by Shotzi for a long time and asked Bailey if Bailey is actually ready for Asuka. No, nobody's ready for Asuka. Nobody should realistically be ready for Asuka, man. Asuka is a killer. And Asuka and Bailey went nine minutes. And these two have history because. If you remember back during the empty gymnasium era, when we were working out of the performance center where there were no crowds, these are two of the four women who held the company on their backs. The other two are no longer with the company, at least one of them for now. Kyrie Sane and Asuka, they had a very good run against Sasha Banks and Bailey during the empty gymnasium era. And Asuka and Bailey do have some history here. So it went nine minutes. Asuka had control early. They traded roll-ups. Bailey retreated to the outside, very heelish to slow things down. Asuka went up to the top rope, hit a missile drop kick. Bailey rolls to the outside again. Bailey immediately lured Asuka into the ring, took control. She is in control. After a commercial break, she worked a headlock. It's either a chin lock or a headlock. Asuka worked out of it. Bailey came back with a knee. She goes for a cover, gets a two count. Asuka went for an arm bar. Bailey kicked out of it. Asuka retaliates with a German suplex. Asuka landed her hip attack. She went for a knee right to the head of Bailey, goes for a cover, gets a two count. Asuka went for some kicks. 
but Bailey counted and ultimately went for a figure four, but Asuka turned it around with an ankle lock. Asuka went to the second rope, landed a code breaker from the second rope. Asuka went for the arm bar. Bailey rolled to the outside. Bailey threw Asuka around and started to tear apart the commentary table. All of a sudden, Shotzi Blackheart emerges from the crowd, and she's got this spiked hair. Now that she's got this short hairstyle, she looks like fucking Hellraiser, right? From the movies, the scary movies, Hellraiser, the demon head. And she's out there, she's like... (laughs) Chasing Bailey in this very, very lame-looking comedy horror thing that she does. She's like prancing around. She's trying to scare Bailey. (laughs) It's ridiculous. How does anybody find this entertaining? How does anybody find this worth good television? It's awful. It is absolutely awful. They turned Shotzi into a fucking geek. Shotzi looks like a geek. I'm sorry. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. She chases Bailey, or uh, she distracts Bailey, chases Bailey into the ring. Asuka's standing there. She got a backslide victory because of the interference from Shotzi Blackheart. After the match, Shotzi and Asuka went for a fist bump as she chased Bailey up the ramp. She gets back into the ring. She looks for a fist bump with Asuka. We didn't see the fist bump, but we assume that it happened. Awful. Just awful television. Shotzi is just awful television. I'm sorry. We do get Asuka and EO Sky next week, though. That, I'm very much looking forward to. Hopefully, they get around 20 minutes or so to do what they need to do. And none of this. (laughs) Grayson Waller. The Grayson Waller effect with John Cena. Waller started out by saying it must be a dream for John Cena to be on his talk show. Waller made a reference to the Coach Prime controversy surrounding taking hats off and wearing sunglasses. I don't know what that is. People were talking about it online. I put it in the notes. I don't know what the fuck it is. Coach Prime controversy? Taking hats off and wearing sunglasses. Waller said Cena needs to be more like Waller, and Cena needs to sit back and let the stars shine. Waller said Cena has to make everything all about him. One more time. Waller said Cena got back in the ring at payback, but not as a competitor, but as a special guest referee. Waller said Cena has been lying to the people because Cena doesn't want to be an in-ring competitor. Waller said there's no doubt that Cena is the greatest of all time, but he's not the greatest right now. Waller mentioned how Austin Theory beat John Cena at WrestleMania. Cena stood up. He started to take his shirt off. Started to get a little angry. Cena went to speak, but Jimmy Uso's music hit. Jimmy walked to the ring. So now we got Jimmy Uso out there, and clearly he has a problem with John Cena. So, he's out there, and Jimmy walked his way to the ring. He eyed Cena. Cena stepped up to Jimmy and was about to talk, but Jimmy 
took the microphone away from John Cena. Jimmy said, nobody wants John Cena here. Nobody wants you here, Cena. He said, everybody came to see him. They came to see Jimmy, Oos. He says he came out here to tell him face-to-face that he won't embarrass him again like he did two weeks ago. He told him to get out of his ring. Solo and Heyman walked to the ring. There was a backstage promo where Solo wanted to take things into his own hands and he wanted to go out there and just solve this problem. Paul Heyman said, I I can't allow you to do that. I can't give you the word to do that unless I get the word from the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Solo doesn't give a shit about the tribal chief and he's going to go out there and solve the problem himself. So Solo and Heyman walked the ring. Solo got into the ring and he went into Cena's face. Jimmy started laughing. Solo shot him a look and turned and grabbed Jimmy by the throat. He teased the Samoan spike on Jimmy, but then let Jimmy go and super kicked John Cena. Jimmy smiled, offered Solo a handshake. Solo turned away and punched at Cena. Jimmy stomped away at Cena. Styles came to the ring and went after Jimmy. Cena fought back against Solo and threw him out of the ring. Styles hit an enziguri on Jimmy. Cena then did the you can't see me and dropped the five-knuckle shuffle. He then lifted him in an attitude adjustment. Solo yanked him away after Heyman yelled, Save Jimmy! And what does this mean for the bloodline moving forward? And they alluded that only Roman Reigns has the answer to this question. Are we looking at John Cena and AJ Styles in the interim teaming against Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa? I mean, this segment did not include the bloodline. Theoretically, Roman's not there. I don't know where this goes. This segment did not include the Judgment Day. We don't know what's going on with John Cena. You figured that this would lead to John Cena and maybe LA Knight. This is what I thought they were going to do. John Cena and LA Knight versus Austin Theory and... Grayson Waller, I don't know. I have no clue. But here we are. I'm more confused about where they're going with Jimmy than ever before. I don't know where they're going. All I I can sit here and tell you is I'm taking this shit week by week. Clearly what we saw here is John Cena and AJ Styles teaming up on some some pay-per-view maybe. Maybe it's against Jimmy and Solo. Maybe they team up on SmackDown. But it looks like we're getting a tag team match based off what we got here on the Grayson Waller effect. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with any of this. I'm thoroughly confused. Jimmy's being enlisted by the Judgment Day. Jay's being enlisted by the Judgment Day. AJ Styles is poking his nose into bloodline business against what the OC wants to do. John Cena is there. Jimmy has a problem with John Cena. Jimmy thinks he's in the bloodline. Apparently, he, he, he wants to befriend Solo, and Solo obviously loves his brother. Nothing can be done without Roman Reigns. Like, where are we going with all this, man? There's just so many different fucking things. You know, once upon a time, it was just very bloodline, straightforward, right? The story consisted of four people and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn enlisted his best friend to battle the bloodline. That was it, very simple. Now we got Solo, Jimmy, Jay, Balor, Priest, Dom, Rhea, Cena, Waller, Styles. I mean, holy shit. Hey, where are we going with all this? Jimmy, Jimmy just looks confused. 
Does he want to be in the bloodline? Does he not want to be in the bloodline? Does he want to take Balor up on his offer? Does he love his brother? He's got a problem with John Cena. Hates AJ Styles. I mean, it's all over the place. I don't know. I don't know where we go. Just going to ride it out. Maybe they'll make sense of it. Hopefully. They're going to need to because right now, WWE just seemingly is using their hottest acts to get the biggest ratings on a Monday, a Friday, a Tuesday. And that's all that really matters. Story has seemingly fallen to the wayside. I don't know where this story goes. Then you want to add, you know, for shits and giggles, then you want to add Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. The fuck are they? Where are they going into all this? I have no idea. It's very, very, very convoluted, man. It is all over the place. And I don't really know where any of it is going at this point in time. I appreciate you guys very much for stopping by the channel once again tonight, man. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you joining me on this Saturday afternoon happy hour, man. We had 2,400 people in here tonight or today, this afternoon for you guys. That is great, man. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes minimum today on OTS. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And as soon as this podcast and this stream is over. You guys are going to get an OTS Extra in your sub boxes. It's already uploaded. We got news coming this afternoon. And then I will see you guys back here live tonight for AEW Collision. Tonight's show sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com, code SCRIPT20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Football season is back, and you know what that means, guys and girls. Touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy football showdowns. But, fellas, the real MVP is not your fantasy fucking draft picks. The real MVP of the season is the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped. When I tell you this is the best razor I've ever used, I'm being completely honest with you, man. This is the most comfortable shave that I've had ever with an electric razor. It's unbelievable. The kit, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit, is your secret weapon to staying sharp on and off the field. So don't fumble this opportunity. Head to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit and join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. That's 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums. Use code SCRIPT20 for check uh, for 20% off and free shipping at checkout. The cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel, 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no messy drawers full of attachments. It's waterproof. It's got a titanium-coated T-blade. It's tough on hair, smooth on your face, single-stroke efficiency. And after your grooming and after your shave, 
Show it some love with Manscaped's liquid formulations. They got beard shampoo, the beard conditioner, and the beard oil and beard balm. They are keys to feeling victorious and taking your beard game to the next level, man. Again, manscaped.com, code script20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping. Your grass is not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. Super Chats. You guys are great, man. By the way, the poll, 59% of you want Rock and Roman instead of Cody and Roman. That's a big number, man. 59% Rock, 41% Cody Rhodes. Oh, my goodness. Chris the Tiger Harris with the two months. Thank you, brother. Says, what's up, OTS fan? Devoted 14 months in the OTS venue. OTS is the best. Let's freaking go. I'm drinking coffee because I quit alcohol last year and been sober since Thanksgiving. Yeah. Congratulations, Devoted. Keep that shit going, man. Matt, the PW fan with a $5 super chat. I know you are a big Sephiroth fan. What did you think of the trailer for Final Fantasy Rebirth? I can't wait. And is this the second part to what we played with the remake? Is what I want to know. I, I think it is, right? This is the second part to the remake. It's about fucking time if it is. But yes, I can't wait for that, for that man. I thought the trailer was fantastic. Vinny with a 499 and a 499. He says, Cody, he's never going to finish the story. He came back to WWE to kiss babies and hug the fat girls, as Batista would say. Knight going to job to Roman. I would not book LA Knight versus Roman Reigns. I would not. I think that's a mistake. LA Knight and Roman Reigns is absolutely a mistake. Also, why beep out every time The Rock and the fans say a-hole? You can barely hear the promo. It's annoying. I know. It's awful. But that's the woke society we live in, man. Everybody's a fucking fairy and a snowflake. Zatoratsu with a new membership. Thank you. The fuck are you drinking, Zat? Beyond the scripts with 24 months. What's up, JD? We made it. Number 24. Saying hello from work. Going near 60 hours. My girlfriend recently lost her job, so got to work all I can. Well, that is very commendable, brother. Absolutely commendable, man. You keep doing that and keep making her proud, bro. CRJ209 with 23 months. Yo, JD, let me talk to you. Yeah. JC720 with a $5 super chat. OTS Saturdays. Hope your day is good so far. SmackDown, okay, I guess. But as always, the wise man will address us. JD, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You do the same, JC. Thank you, brother. Phantom with a $20 super chat. Rock vs. Cody. We're doing Rock vs. Cody and not Rock vs. Roman? Maybe.
maybe we do Rock versus Cody at the Royal Rumble to see wrestles Roman at WrestleMania. I wonder who's going to win that one. Lauren with a 19 month surprise at the Rock's return last night. That was definitely unexpected. SmackDown was good. Styles, Cena versus Solo, and Jimmy at Fastlane. Maybe. It's a possibility. Basic with a six months. Thank you, brother. Rock sounded like an 85-year-old smoker, but he looks like a million bucks. I didn't think he sounded that bad. Throw that Terramana tequila he's drinking. Average gamer with a $185 super chat in American Emirates. I think LA Knight should heavily be considered to beat Roman. No. If not, I think he shouldn't beat Gunther or Seth because I don't think he should be secondary to Cody considering his organic rise and reaction. Cody will get very old very fast. That's just me. LA Knight should not be in a match with Roman Reigns, period. He should not be in a match with Roman. What happens then? He loses. And then we go right back to where he is right now, which is hot. And he has momentum. You're going to take all that momentum and feed it to Roman? Tay Tay with a 199. Does this mean Cody's story is finished? No, it does not, but it's uh, very much up in the air. Lawrence says her Roman isn't expected back till November 4th. Well, you guys are going to have to listen to the extra that I'm posting immediately after this live stream is over. Otis with 21 months. I can taste that gold mic and I love the energy in the venue today. JD, keep doing what you do. No one can touch you as long as I'm here. Thank you, Otis. Three more months, brother, and you got 24 months in that golden microphone. Lucky Geo at 999. What's up, JD? The Cody Rock Roman situation is easy to solve, I think. Cody versus Roman for the title at the Royal Rumble. Cody wins, then Rock versus Roman at Mania 40 for the head of the table. Yeah, possibly. Then who does Cody defend the title against at WrestleMania? Will I'm Hendrick Fullard with 33 months. Thank you, brother. Hi, JD. You will never know how much you and this show means to me. One day in heaven, you will understand just how much. All I can say is God bless you. Thank you, Mr. Fullard. Appreciate you always. Lauren with a $2 super chat. Street Profits turning heel. Orton return next year. True Profits turning heel. Orton, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Randy Orton return at the Royal Rumble. JG with a five. Punk versus Cody, WrestleMania 40. Book it. Let's not jump the gun here. Carl Stevenson with a 199. But, but JD, the fans will turn on the rock. Sure they will. Dr. Evil Genius with the 499. Prayer emojis in the chat for Miss Evil. She's running 22 miles today in preparation for her 32-mile ultra marathon next month. God bless her, bro. That woman is amazing, man. Running 22 miles. Oh, my goodness, man. I'd be, I'd be done by fucking two miles. Tay-Tay with a 499. JD, what would you do with Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 40 if Roman gets the rock? Randy Orton. 
Again, Dr. Evil Genius. Speaking of mosh, I was at Baby Clock, Baby Metal and Death Clock last night. Monster show. Bro, you couldn't pay me all the money in the world to listen to Baby Metal, bro. Death Clock, maybe. But Baby Metal? No, thank you. I'll have to hear uh, I'll have to hear some songs, man. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll venture on Spotify and listen to what uh, you were uh, live amongst last night. Uh, Michelle Moran with a five dollars super chat. What about Roman Jimmy versus Rock J night one and Roman Cody night two? Otherwise, Cody will never finish his story and solo attacking Cena made no sense. That's why I said, man, I don't know where any of this is going. Basic with a 199. Rock through theories, sneaker into the crowd. Is that what he did? I must have... I must have missed that part, man. George Isaac, thank you again for the $100 super chat, brother. That means a lot to me, man. Thank you for your generosity. AJ with a 499. JD, The Rock is just amazing. Absolute legend. Love that, man. But I still think Cody is the guy to beat Roman. His creative has been garbage, though. Fix it, WWE. Dr. Evil Genius with a 499, he says, you have Cody pegged. Pause. This fucking guy. Also with a 199, imagine Jimmy and Jay feuding while with Judgment Day. That is an interesting thought. I didn't think of that. For all we know, that's exactly where they may be going with us. Jericho 8131 with a $20 super chat. Do Roman rock at either Rumble or Cody beats Roman at Mania and do it at SummerSlam. The match doesn't need the title. Doing it at Mania isn't an option at this rate. They had their chance this year and they didn't do it. WWE's going to do whatever is best for business, brother. And what's best for business is rock and Roman at WrestleMania 40, not Cody. And the reason why we're talking about this more now is a realistic possibility is because Dwayne actually showed up on TV. If he wasn't on TV, we'd still be saying Cody and Roman. That's not the discussion today. Jeremy, 2006, with the 23 months. It's been the best 23 months being a part of the OTS family. Do you think the wait... Do you think they wait SummerSlam for Cody to finish the story? OTS for life. Uh, could be. I don't know. Cody's got options at WrestleMania if he does not get Roman. Harold Russell with four months. Jade Cargill definitely needs to be in WWE. If they build Cody versus Roman, it might be after WrestleMania 40. Colorado is going to get beat down badly. Colorado State, that is, is going to get beat down badly. Bro, I don't care about college football. After WrestleMania 40. WrestleMania is the place to do it. If not, you're wasting my time. And Jade Cargill, she will be in the WWE, I do believe, but she needs to be in NXT, not on the main roster yet. Give her a year in NXT, and she should be hopefully where she needs to be. Harold Russell with 20. If I knew I was going to be buried, it might as well be against The Rock to bury me. It's a good point, brother. Austin Theory was great in that segment. Furious Nation with 23 months. What's up, JD? Glad to be here today. And to be honest, I didn't expect The Rock to show up at all last night on SmackDown. Also, it looks like Jade Cargill is WWE bound. Yes. 
Also with two 999 Super Chats is Furious Nation. In my opinion, if Jade goes to WWE, I feel like she should hit the PC NXT first before hitting the main roster. Yes, I agree 100%. And if Jade does go to WWE, do you feel like TK could have done more with her? Of course I do think. But they, they haven't done more with, with their own division. Never mind Jade Cargill. That's why I don't deem it as a big loss. Also, in your honest opinion, would you be surprised if Wardlow is the one of the next AEW roster members to jump ship to WWE? Cheers, bro, and have a great afternoon. Yes, I think Wardlow is the, one of the next ones, for sure. I think Wardlow is ending up in WWE, no doubt about it. Harry, 212 with a $5 super chat. JD, do you see Mercedes showing up at Grand Slam? If she's cleared, sure. She's able to do so. Ali with a 499. Hey, JD, have you pre-ordered the new Mortal Kombat game? I did. Let me tell you, it's really, really good. Uh, Ali, I am not into Mortal Kombat. I am more of a Street Fighter guy. Sinister Classic with 12 months. Thank you, Sinister. Guess Cody won't be finishing his story. Happy to make it a year. Should have joined back in 2014. Thank you for everything you do, brother. OTS for life. Thank you, Sinister. Let's not jump the gun on Cody Rhodes, man. Right now, Cody is still in the plans. Obviously, things could change, but right now, it's more Rock Roman than Cody Roman. Jeremy Lewis with the $5 Super Chat. Just wanted to say, JD, you are the ace of the IWC. Welcome to the new Gold Mike Club members. Thank you, Jeremy. And John 10 with a 199. Cena solo being discussed for Mania, apparently. Where did you hear that news? Does WWE want to create John Cena Umaga versus Cena and Solo? I don't know. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm about to get out of here, man. I got more work to do. I'm going to upload some more content for you immediately after this show is over. I'm going to run some errands, take a nap, and next you'll see me live for AEW Collision right here on the channel, man. I really appreciate you guys. BWE. I don't know why we're still listening to BWE, man. He hasn't been in the fucking feeds at all. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. These fucking geeks want to remain relevant by uh, thinking they got sources in WWE. I mean, has he been right on anything? Like, uh, he's got his he's got his shit private, man. You don't even know what the fuck he says. Anyway, follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that thumbs up. We need 20 more likes for 1,000. Thank you for the super chat love. Thank you for the recommitments to the VIP club here on OTS. Go check out Manscaped. Manscaped.com code script 20 at checkout for 20% off. Free shipping. And Harold Russell coming in late with the 10. So many things I can't wait for. But the biggest one is letting Keith Lee go. All hail OTS for law. You can't... Uh, Forgive WWE for it. Yeah, Keith Lee was a big one, man. Anyway, guys, I'll see you tonight for AW Collision. 
Until then, thank you so very much for the support. And uh, extra coming up immediately tonight. Collision right here from the Beer Garden on OTS. I'll see you guys later. So this is for the